I'm Brad Self of Nationwide Lacrosse, and you're listening to Over and Back on the Lacrosse Radio Network. focuses on the National Lacrosse League, Canadian Lacrosse League, and Major Series Lacrosse, with an emphasis on the Peterborough Lakers and their players playing pro. I'm your host, Scott Arnold, and my guest today has won two Man Cups, two World Titles, and one Champions Cup, in which he received MVP honors in that final game. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Lewis Radcliffe of the Washington Stealth. Thanks for being on the show today, Lewis. No problem. Thanks for having me. Two, All right, uh, two, champ- two Champions Cup, though. One moment two. of Calgary in 04 as well. Oh, oh, four! I missed out on that one. So definitely, uh, definitely going to throw that in the mix there, and uh, you might see them later on in the playoffs. So it could be a battle uh, between you two. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely update my stats here. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll get on my producer and hammer him down. He was the one who gave me that fact. But uh, right, I'm going to get this right out of the way, right off the bat, because it's been on my mind for a couple weeks now. I read somewhere that you once broke your wrist in a lacrosse celebration. How in the world did you manage to do that? I can't believe you knew that. Uh, yeah, I uh, we won the provincial championships my first year at Bantam, and uh, did a little dog pile afterwards. And it was, it was actually my best friend at the time. Uh, he was one of the last guys in. I was kind of on the bottom, starting to get up, and he jumped and was about to land on me. I put my arm up and uh, landed on my wrist and broke it. Man. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't hear about that more often, though, because there's some huge pileups after the celebration, but that is the first uh, big injury that I've ever heard of there, so congratulations on that one. I thought that was uh, one of my favorite statistics that I found on you. Yeah, they scare me to death now, so I stay I stay away from that. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll uh, be in another pile at the end of this year. I've uh, gone out uh, verbally and uh, said Washington Stealth are going to win it all, so we're going to talk about them for a little bit here. Last year, you guys only won four games all season, but you've almost doubled that win total as you sit seven and five. You're just a half game behind Edmonton for first place. What happened in the off? You know, I don't think anything happened. I think obviously we added we added some really good young rookies, and we we filled a couple spots that we uh, need to improve in. But I think uh, I think we just needed a fresh start. We needed to refocus. Last year was a tough year from the beginning, and. Uh, we uh, we just struggled in every aspect. You know, we we went you know with CH gone at the beginning. We just kind of got off slow and and just kind of we snowballed and and were just awful the entire year. Um, this year we, you know, came in fresh. Had you know we've got six or seven new faces on the team, if not more. And uh, we, we just we kind of gelled personality wise. We got a really good locker room. All the guys get along really well, and, uh, and that makes that makes going to the rink a lot more enjoyable. And Doug Locker, he brought in some uh, good draft picks this year, right? You guys brought Buchanan in. He's been lighting it up for you guys. That's got to make a difference, too. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we drafted really well, and, and we always seem to draft really well. And, and uh, Doug does, you know, he takes a lot of pride in finding a couple guys every year. And, uh, you know, Kyle in the fourth round was a steal. And, um, you know, even even with our first-round picks, you know, those are sometimes the tough ones and uh you know, to get Garrison and to get Pitchell with our early picks, those guys are two kids that are come right into the lineup and, and played awesome right off the bat. You know, uh, Garrison is 
um, someone that doesn't get nearly enough respect around the league. And um, in in my opinion, should be getting you know uh, you know obviously with Mark and a couple other guys, rookie of the year is going to be tough. But I think he's a definite all rookie candidate and uh, you know one of the best defenders coming out. Two of your losses this year have been against division rivals, the Edmonton Rush. They're on a tear right now in the midst of a five-game win streak. It's likely you'll see them in the playoffs at some point. What do you guys need to do to shut them down if you do come across them in the postseason? Uh, you got to be able to handle their defense. They're, they're a tough team to play against. We've, uh, you know, the, the one game uh, that we beat them there, um, we played a better team game. We, we moved the ball better. We moved our feet better. They're just they're, – they're, just not a fun team to play against offensively. They, you know, Rubish and Mitski on our side, um, you know, you can look at the stats and I, I, I always kind of check it out to see how the other lefties are doing. And, and um, you know, you don't see many lefties having big games against Edmonton with those two. It's uh, it's frustrating and it's just, you know, they keep coming at you and, and uh, to beat them, you got to handle, handle the pressure and you got to be able to, uh, you know, bury the opportunities you get. So this Saturday, you guys play the other Alberta team, the Calgary Roughnecks, who we talked about. You won a championship in 2004. Throw that out there. Uh, you have the league, they have the league's leading scorer, Sean Evans, who seems to keep getting better as the weeks go on. He had another 10 points on Saturday against the Mammoth. What's the strategy to try and keep him off the score sheet this weekend? I think you just have to you know, play a good team system with him. Uh, you know, Obviously, he's, he's having a great year. He, you know, every time he touches the ball, he's making something happen. And, um, makes you look really easy with some of the passes that he makes to set guys up naked in front. So, um, you know, I think we did a pretty good job on, on him last time, and I think he had a game two and two against us in that game. You're never going to stop him completely. But, um, you know, I think, you know, team-wise, our defense has been pretty good. T. Rich has been, you know, the best goalie in the league, in my opinion, uh, this year. And uh, you, you just have to make sure – if you spend too much time on him, you know, Dixon's going to kill you or, you know, Dobie's going to kill you. So you can't just really focus on one guy with them. And uh, um, we did a good job last time. We're going to do it again. So you were number 42 with the Stealth. Did you always wear that number? Does it have any special uh, significance or meaning to you, or was it just a number that was thrown back at you at an early age? No, I, I, uh, I grew up in Victoria, so I, you know, obviously I like Gate Brothers and uh, and watched them and I wore 22 my my whole life up until uh, up until I got to junior and uh, and it was actually retired um, for actually somebody not Gary Gate um, he got special permission to wear it and uh, um, you know I didn't obviously ask for, or you know deserve special treatment to wear 22 in junior so I um, I moved to 32 and uh, when I when I Got the senior. Our captain Darren Rizek was wearing number 32, and uh, so I moved to 42. So uh, you know, Tom Marichek, obviously another Victoria guy and and a, and a really good player. Um, so 42 was was a good fit, and uh, I, I've liked it since. So you mentioned the Gate brothers, and uh, there's a lot of great players that come out of your hometown of Victoria. Who are some of the other guys you looked up to growing up? Uh, my favorite player growing up was Chris Pratt. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris. He was. Uh, uh, you know, doesn't play anything like me. He was kind of a small bulldog kind of guy. You know, kind of st- built like my brother, and just just played played the game the right way. Played really hard. Had a great outside shot. Went to the net. Um, you know, just just really fun to watch. And I knew him a little bit off the floor as well. So you always like to cheer for guys that you know. But um, yeah, Chris Pratt was probably my favorite growing up. Who is uh, probably the best player you got to play on a team with growing up? Oh, my first year of, uh, with the Shamrocks 
we had uh, we had Jim Bellman, we had John Tavares, we had uh, you know Derek Malosky, Blaine Manning, myself, Ward, Ryan Ward, um, uh, Andy Turner on D, Tom Hayek. We were awesome uh, that year. We won the Man Cup and we beat Branson in five, and they were uh, you know a pretty stacked team as well. Um, I would have to say the guy that impressed me the most playing with was Jim Bellman. He was. Uh, yeah, you know, just a, a great guy off the floor, and you know, he did things on the floor that just were were crazy to watch. You know, going into loose balls and and looking behind him through the glass, off the glass, and you know, bouncing the ball off the boards and catching it on the other side of guys. It was just crazy to see what, the stuff that he thought of during games, and um, you know, and just a great guy off the floor, and he's the most humble guy I'll ever meet. Yeah, he uh, he's with the Toronto uh, Shooting Stars right now in the Seahawks, so I see him around the arena the odd time, and yeah, definitely a stand-up guy, great guy, so that would have been quite a thing playing with him, I'm sure. But uh, let's go back a few years. Prior to the 2009 season, you were traded from the Toronto Rock to the Stealth in a blockbuster deal for Colin Doyle. Did you and Doyle request that trade to be closer to your hometowns, or was it just a coincidence that it worked out that way? I, I don't think either of us really uh, you know, demanded a trade, but it was a simple... Uh, you know, geography. He wanted to be back east. Um, I think he was, you know, I don't know if he had a teaching job or he had something going on there. And, and I, you know, being a West Coast guy, I wanted to be back on the West Coast. Um, the year in Toronto was a pretty tough year. And, and uh, you know, I think the writing was on the wall that changes were going to be made. And, and uh, I had, you know, I just had a young son and my uh, wife was there in Toronto with me. And um, I didn't want to be traded from living in Toronto and, and fly somewhere else. That was kind of the main thing. So we wanted to go back home, and, and he wanted to be back east, so it was just kind of a natural fit. So we'll go back to the Shamrocks for a little bit. You played all your junior A ball for uh, Victoria Shamrocks, and in 2001, you ended the season, uh, you just had 29 points, which is still pretty good for uh, any player. I had two points my whole lifetime in junior, so I'm not knocking on the 29, but the next year in 2002, your last junior year, you notched 127 points in 27 games. Why the sudden outburst, do you think? What changed from uh, year to year there? Well, I think I only played nine games in that in that 01. Uh, I, was, uh, I was at Ohio State. And we had a late, we had probably the last, the last school to come back for the summer, and uh, and I, I only ended up getting I think you know seven or eight games in. So um, you know it's always tough coming back from school and, and getting back into box cross. You know you, it took me a few games and um, and just didn't play too great. And then the next year I, I wasn't at school. I, uh, I played the full year. I got training camp in. Uh, you know was kind of refreshed and and just had a you know, had a solid year the entire time. So definitely by far my best year junior. Yeah, that's amazing. 127 points in 27 games. Again, you could add up my lifetime from uh, when I was a five-year-old peanut all the way through, and I would never get 127 points. That that stat amazed me when I saw that. But you graduated from uh, Victoria's Junior A program, and you continued playing for the Shamrocks at the senior level, where you won two-man cups. Then in 2010, the lacrosse world was shocked when you went to the Nanaimo Timberman. How hard was it to leave Victoria after playing your whole career there? It was definitely an adjustment, and, and uh, you know, I, I did ask for a trade uh, for that, and, and that was just simply the play with my brother. You know, we uh, we grew up, we're six years apart, and, and we never played on a team with each other, and I knew that uh, my summer career was kind of winding down, and and uh, it was something that both of us wanted to do, and, and uh, Nanaimo, you know, wasn't willing to trade him to Victoria, so I just I uh, asked to be traded to Nanaimo, and, uh, you know, Victoria was great to me for the entire time I was there and, and, you know, I loved playing there. And when you look back on it, you probably, you know, 
you couldn't really think of a better place to play. And, uh, um, you know, it was just uh, something that we both wanted to do before I finished, and uh, it worked out well for us for, for a little bit. So the next year, in 2011, the Timbermen, they permanently suspended you for missing too many games and uh, too many practices. Very strange move to do to a player who had 52 points in just 10 games. Do you think that was a little harsh, or do you think they did what they had to do there? No, I think uh, I think it was a little harsh, and uh, it was it's kind of a weird situation with only two games left. Um, you know, so I got suspended for the weekend, and um, it was uh, it was tough because we were in the playoff hunt, and and I uh, obviously with uh, with two games against Victoria, you know, I I went and watched them, and I'm sitting I'm sitting there watching them lose to back to back games to get eliminated from the playoffs. So it was it was hard, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't. You know, I played in the majority of the games, and and I'm I was always up front with what I wanted to do. I was always up front with uh, how many games I was going to miss, and and you know I was living in Seattle and working in Seattle and commuting, and uh, it just wasn't possible to be at every game and every practice. And uh, and you know it was something that we discussed at the beginning of the year, and so it, it was tough because you know I didn't do anything different than what I said I was going to do, and uh, it was kind of you know out of left field to me. Definitely worked out for you, though. You found a spot on the surging Langley Thunder the next summer, and you led them to the Man Cup last year in Peterborough. Let's talk about that Man Cup. The Thunder beat the Peterborough Lakers in the first two games. It looks like you guys were going to cruise to the title. Then uh, the Lakers came alive and beat you guys four straight. Do you think you guys should have won that series, or was Peterborough honestly uh, the better team there? Uh, yeah, I think they were the better team. You know, I think they... Uh... They were really, really strong and really tough to play against, and and I think any man cup on the road is tough. You know, I think to win a man cup on the road, you have to be heads and tails above the other team in, in every department. And, and um, you know, obviously there was you know they've got John Grant, they've got you know so many great players that they're you know they're a good team. Um, we came out and I think we surprised them. I think we surprised a lot of people how good we were, and um, you know we had a lot of names on the team that you don't necessarily hear about every day um, that are really good. You know, you look at, you look at Brett Nitschke and, and, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the world and, and he just doesn't get nearly enough credit. And, um, you know, Nick Billick and John Lintz and, and Brody and that, and these guys are great players and they just, you know, they don't get uh, the recognition they deserve. And, and uh, you know, I think it'll come to Let's shift gears and go back, uh, way back. A lot of people don't know, but you were born in London, England. Your family moved to Victoria in 1988 when you were still pretty young, but did you play any lacrosse in England, or did you pick up your first lacrosse stick when you moved here to Canada? Yeah, no, I didn't uh, I didn't know what lacrosse was until, uh, I think, sixth grade. I, um, I, I moved to Canada, um, obviously played soccer in, uh, in England uh, pretty much every minute that I was awake and uh, came here, played a little bit of soccer, um, and then, uh, you know, tried hockey and a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, finally, my mom signed me up for uh, for lacrosse. I think she saw a flyer at, at my elementary school, and uh, just showed up. And day one, loved it, and uh, it, you know, pretty much within a few years, I quit everything else and was just playing full time lacrosse. And um, I, you know, obviously, made the right decision. So you played a little bit of field lacrosse uh, in the major league uh, lacrosse. Did you uh, regret not sticking with that, or are you happy that you went the box route? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it was disappointing that the, the teams left the West Coast, and uh, um, I, I would still be open to trying it again if uh, if the situation was right. Um, it's just it's tough. It's you know, it, the money's not very good. Um, 
the travel sucks and to have no teams on the West Coast just pretty much makes it impossible for me. I'm not in a position where I can up and move anywhere and, uh, you know, there's not too many teams that are, you know, flying in guys, you know, from the West Coast other than, you know, the, the you know, the top guys. So it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, down the road maybe if some opens up I could, you know, explore again. But uh, I enjoyed my two years, but uh, just isn't in the cards right now. Was it San Francisco you were in, or was it San Diego? Down yeah, there? San, San Francisco. San Francisco for two years. Yeah. Yeah. What happened down there? They just weren't getting the crowds, and they had to fold up. No, we were, we were playing. We were playing in front of uh, a couple hundred people, so you know, I think it was wasn't too big of a shock when that when the team folded. Uh, that's tough. Well, one last thing before we get to our last segment. You guys had a bye last week, and because of that, I was forced to shuffle my entire fantasy team around. Uh, I had six stealth in there all season long, but uh, I had to yank a whole bunch of you guys out of there. I have to reset my lineup again this week, so I just want to know who is looking good in practice. Who should I put back into my lineup? Ah, jeez. Well, I think obviously you got to go with – got to put Dutchie in there. He's been on fire all year long. Um, he's been – you know. He, if not MVP, one of the, one of the top guys in the league, and and uh, uh, who else? Well, not, uh, I think Cliff Smith. I'm gonna throw him in there. He's, he's due for a good game. Um, you know, put Cliff Smith in there, and uh, and definitely start T. Rich in that. Yeah, I had Cliff in all season actually, and I kept him in. He lit it up in the first couple weeks, and then uh, kind of slowed down on me. But I kept him in, saying this is going to be his week. This is going to be his week. So you know, I'm definitely going to throw him back in the lineup. Yourself's in there, Buchanan. I'm going to throw the Nooch back in, and uh, yeah, I will definitely switch up my goalie for sure. So. I'm uh, hoping you made the right calls here because uh, my wife is 22 points behind me in the fantasy league, and if she passes me, I will be calling you up, and uh, we'll see what happens on that phone call. That's a lot of pressure. But that's going to bring us to our last segment. I'm going to hit you up with six questions and what I like to call the sock trick. Uh, besides lacrosse, what's your favorite sport? Oh, jeez. Um... Well, I think now that I'm living in, in Seattle, I don't have to say football is getting up there. You know, I, I'm still kind of on strike with hockey and, uh, you know, them, them rocking out again. I just, I'm still not recovered from that. And it's always been, it's always been lacrosse and hockey, but I have to say lacrosse and, uh, and football now. I love to hear someone else saying about the hockey things. I haven't watched a second of hockey. I was a huge fan the whole way up. And, uh, yeah, since the lockout, I haven't watched a second of it. I don't know who's winning, who's scoring. Don't know a freaking thing and uh people are starting to find that out about me so they don't even tell me the scores anymore so glad to hear someone else is in the same boat because in peterborough it's a hockey hotbed and man everybody everybody was all against it during the lockout saying they're never going to watch it but uh, how quickly they forgot hey yeah no it's uh it's definitely not the hotbed down here so it's easy to stay away from it you have to kind of you have to kind of hunt for it if you want it so i just haven't really gone out of my way and uh you know i, I keep track of the canucks and how they're doing but um you know i don't think i've missed a game for the last 10 years and and uh yeah, i've probably watched three so far you know i was the same way and as i said i haven't watched a second you mentioned football seahawks your favorite team then just because uh yes, yes yeah definitely yeah uh who's been the biggest influence in your life and why uh, my mom, by far. Um, just, you know, I still talk to her every day. Um, was on the phone with her before you called me. Um, she's still, just, uh, you know, she's just been, uh, you know, she's a great mom, obviously, and just been a huge support system for me and in everything I do. And, um, you know, she travels down for every home game and normally stays for two or three days. So she's, uh, you know, been a huge influence on me. 
That's awesome that you're able to have a relationship like that where she gets to see you play. Not a lot of guys have that, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, do you have any uh, pregame rituals? Um, yeah, not really, not too much. I kind of um, now I'm trying to stay away from them because I freak myself out and I and I try to do too many things. I'm just kind of <laughs> trying to relax a little bit and uh, and just try to enjoy the games. You know, I get I get a little worked up. You put a lot of pressure on myself and. Uh, uh, I, you know, I think I play worse that way. So this year I'm just trying to, or lately at least, I'm just trying to relax and enjoy myself. So leading up to today, I talked to a few guys around the league, and you seem to be known as a dog lover. What kind of dog do you have right now? <laughs> I, have a, I have a bulldog named Lola and a, a golden retriever named Murphy. Nice. Do you have any uh, nicknames that your teammates call you? Uh, well, the Rock were kind enough to nickname me Sweet Lou when they introduced me, and that stuck around, and, uh, and that's what everyone calls me. <laughs> Haven't yeah. heard that one, but uh, yeah, we'll see if that uh, sticks. Yeah, it's not a, not a great one. No. <laughs> so some of the guys in the league uh, have other jobs or hobbies outside of lacrosse. What do you do when you're not playing? Um, well, lucky enough that lacrosse is everything I do. I, I coach. Um, high school and and I run a uh, a travel kind of recruiting business um called the Seattle Stars. So we uh we have a fall season and a summer season and we uh we travel around to recruiting tournaments and uh <clears throat> try to get the kids recruited to college and, and uh you know obviously that's big business down here with um you know how competitive it is and 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 just kind of the the way everything works with there's no no minor field across associations here. It's all private and all, you know, all kind of pay to play that way. So, um, you know, lucky enough to just coach for everything else that I do. And, uh, you know, it's high school season right now. We just started and uh, um, at a great school called Eastside Catholic in Seattle. Man, you're living the life then. You sound like a busy man. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Over and Back. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck this weekend against Calgary and good luck the rest of the way this season. Great. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Talk to you later. Take care. That was Lewis Radcliffe of the Washington Stealth. Great guy, and I picked his Washington Stealth to win it all this year, so I'm hoping to see them continue this stellar season. We're going to go to a break right now, but stay tuned because when we return, I will recap Week 12 of the National Lacrosse League as well as Week 11 of the Canadian Lacrosse League. I'm Scott Arnold, and you're listening to Over and Back on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to Lax Live Friday nights. It's the only show that goes one-on-one with the top lacrosse analysts in the game. Huge week here for the Washington Stealth coming up, but they got a big win against the Toronto Rock last week. How vital was that win for their season? Obviously, they've had their struggles throughout the season. Getting Chris Hall back, I think, was a huge step for them. Lax Live Radio, the program that started it all. Marissa and Jemmy from In Lax We Trust talks each week with the people who report on and shape the game. Two of the top teams in the league, what's your prediction for that game? Arizona State's really struggling with their offense. It's Friday nights at 6 p.m. on the Lacrosse Radio Network. It's brought to you by Destiny Lacrosse. This is John Galloway of the Rochester Rattlers, and you're listening to Lacrosse Radio Network. High School Lacrosse Thursdays on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to By the Book at 2 p.m. with Booker Corrigan from ESPN Radio and CUDA Lacrosse. And at 6.30 to Lax High with Lax Media's Chris Goldberg and Inside Lacrosse's Ty Zanders. 
Rotating each Thursday, the Lacrosse Radio Network is where you want to be for high school lacrosse. This is Nick Rose of the Toronto Rock, and you're listening to the Lacrosse Radio Network. After year one, the Midwest Lacrosse Association is ready to dominate the Midwest United States. Promoting the game of lacrosse nationally, MILA is live every week on the Lacrosse Radio Network starting this August. Want to connect more in the game? Don't have your lacrosse fixed? Follow the Lacrosse Radio Network on Twitter at InLaxWeTrust for the most interactive lacrosse hub on the web and at Lax Radio Network. Also, make sure to check out at InLax University for college and at InLax Canada for Canadian box. I'm Brad Self of Nationwide Lacrosse, and you're listening to Over and Back on the Lacrosse Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Over and Back. I'm Scott Arnold for the Lacrosse Radio Network. And you heard on the little intro there, Brad Self throwing it back to me of Nationwide Lacrosse. He, of course, plays for the Rochester Nighthawks, but he's also involved in Nationwide Lacrosse, lacrosse camp that he co-founded with Sean Evans, both Peterborough boys, both great players. Can you imagine being a kid and learning the game of lacrosse from one of the best defensemen in the league and possibly, arguably, the best offensive player, uh, Shawnee Evans. He's definitely the league's leading scorer right now. He has 82 points, which is a career high for him, and the season is not even over yet. So we will definitely see if he cracks the 100-point barrier. I'm sure that's in the back of his mind, but winning the Champions Cup is probably first and foremost for him. Nationwide Lacrosse Camp. I got a chance to visit them on March break. That was their first ever camp. They held it out at the Spyplex uh, just outside of Peterborough, and it was quite a thing. Uh, in Lacrosse, we trust. I'm gonna have a little blurb uh, or a little article, more than a blurb, in the uh, next magazine edition. So make sure you check that out. All about Nationwide Lacrosse. And uh, Scott and or Sean, sorry, and Brad, they talk about why they started it, what they're looking to achieve. And there's an interview right now uh, on YouTube, so if you, can, if you search it up, you can look up Sean Evans, Brad Self, Scott Arnold, whatever combination you want, the interview will show up. And uh, it's kind of a teaser for the article that's going to be in the magazine. They just talk briefly of how it started and what they're doing with it. The first camp, as I mentioned, was a March break camp. I sat in for an entire day, and wow, was it ever quite a sight. Usually you see a lot of guys who uh, kind of stand back, blow their whistle, but Brad and Sean, they are hands-on. They are right in the kid's ear. They are coaching every child. They have tips for every single participant. It was a great thing to see. And the neater thing to see was, if that's even a word, neater, but the neat thing to see was all the parents in the bleachers they stuck around usually for camps they drop their kids off they go to work this camp all the parents stuck around and watched what was going on that's how great this camp was there's going to be another one coming up in october in july actually i was looking at coburg and got my words crossed it's going to be an all-day camp, 8.30 to 4 o'clock, July 2nd to July 5th. That's the first week the kids are off of school. And if you visit their website, you can see a whole bunch of other camps that they offer, nationwidelacrosse.ca. So make sure you go check those guys out. Rochester had a bye, so Brad Self was not in action, but Shawnee Evans was. We'll get to his game in a second, but first we'll start with Edmonton and Buffalo. Edmonton took that game by a score of 14-7. to 
16,629 fans showed up in Buffalo to watch that game. So they're still getting the huge crowds. I heard earlier in the year that Buffalo's attendance is dropping. If that's dropping, I can't even imagine what they were at before. I don't know what the capacity in that arena is, but 16,629 fans to see National Lacrosse League action. And they were treated to a great game, even though their team got doubled up. They got to see probably the hottest team in the league right now, the Edmonton Rush. They were being led that game by Corey Small. He had four goals and three assists. And Aaron Bold, he hasn't had to face too many shots. They're on a five-game win streak. I'm not taking away anything from Aaron Bold. It's just a testament to how strong Edmonton's defense is. He's only averaging uh, just under 30 shots in the five-game streak. He stopped 35 saves on this night, though. And the saves he does make, they're huge saves. They're game savers. And it lets his team get a big stretch of a lead. And they are definitely playing with confidence in front of him. On the Buffalo side, we'll just focus on the Peterborough Lakers. Not many playing for them anymore as they got rid of Scott Self and Jim Purvis. But in the lineup was John Tavares. He had one assist. Mark Stainhouse, he had two assists. Later that night, we saw the Colorado Mammoth. They traveled to Calgary to take on the Roughnecks. Calgary beat them 12-11. to And in that game, Jamie Lincoln for Colorado, he had one goal. While John Grant Jr. had three goals, three assists. He's now tied for the league in goals with 35. Ty Belanger, former Junior A Laker, he had 38 saves in the net. I'm going to go back to John Grant Jr. for just a second. If you haven't been following any of his trick shots on YouTube, he released a video. It's on the Mammoth Facebook page, and they also released the video on YouTube, as I mentioned. He did these trick shots from Denver, from the Pepsi Center. Unbelievable. You can just search John Grant Jr. trick shots. That was a jaw-dropper. Now he's come out with part two. He's at this canyon uh, deep, deep canyon. I don't know if it's in Denver or where it is. I imagine it's in Denver. He's got the St. Patrick's Day jersey on, the honor, uh, those jerseys that they sold, uh, the green ones. And he is, it looks like a Grand Canyon almost, but it's a concert hall. And he gets, he does four shots. I won't tell you what happens or what the result is, how many he gets in. It's just amazing to see. So go check that out. John Grant Jr. Trick Shots on YouTube. Definitely worth it. And, I mean, this man is from another planet. I've said that frequently. These videos are proving it. I'm hoping he's going to come to Peterborough and shoot a video off the lift lock. I'm going to suggest that to him, set some nets up down below, and he can score from anywhere, as you will see in those clips. On the other side, Sean Evans, we already talked about, is having a career, uh, career season so far. He had 10 points, three goals, seven assists in this victory. He leads the league in assists with 56, leads the league in points with 82, and we'll see if he cracks the 100-point barrier for the first time in his career. On Sunday, his brother was playing against his former team. Scott Evans, of course, plays for the Toronto Rock. They lost to the Edmonton Rush. The score was 17-12, but Toronto was blown out of the water, especially in the first half. They were down 9-2 at one point, just in the second quarter. Second half was a little bit closer. Uh, the score was 8-7 in the second half. The rush just edged them by one goal. And that could foreshadow a nice playoff series. Both of these teams are number one. Toronto's still two games up on Philly. So these teams could meet in the finals. And that second half was some of the best lacrosse we've seen. But it was too little too late as the gap was too large for the Rock to catch up. The Edmonton Rush... They don't have uh, many Peterborough Lakers playing for them or any Peterborough Lakers playing for them right now. But Mark Matthews, he had three goals, one assist. Kyle Rubish and Corey Small both had two goals, two assists. 
We mentioned that John Grant Jr. is tied for the league lead in goals. Well, he's tied with Mark Matthews, 35 goals apiece. Mark Matthews is a rookie, so definitely a solid candidate for Rookie of the Year. He was the number one draft pick in the NLL last year, and he is just getting better and better each week. He came into the league on fire. He got a six-goal sock trick very early on. I think it was his second or third week, so he's been lighting it up from day one. On the other side, in the losing cause, the only Laker, uh, well, Chris White played in the game as well. He didn't have any points, but Scott Evans, the only Laker with a point. He had one assist. Colin Doyle and Garrett Billings, they lit it up in the losing cause. Garrett Billings had a game high, eight points, three goals, five assists. Colin Doyle was second in points for that game with three goals, three assists. So that just shows you how well-balanced this Edmonton team is as the scoring was so spread out. And I keep talking about their defense, but they have the strongest defense in the league right now. They don't allow any shots to go past them. And uh, as I mentioned, Aaron Bold averaging just under 30 shots during this five-game streak, not taking anything away from him. He's been stellar, but I'm just saying how good their defense is. We'll take a look at the standings now in the National Lacrosse League. In the East, Toronto sits in first. Two games behind them are the Philadelphia Wings. Three games back, you see the Buffalo Bandits. And also three games back, it's the Rochester Nighthawks. The Buffalo Bandits, they're in Toronto this Friday. So if you can make it down, if you're in the area, any of you Peterborough fans want to go down and check out a good game, I got my tickets from Roger Self. He was, uh, he was, he is the uncle of Brad and Scott Self. He bought the tickets right before the trade deadline, and uh, Scott Self, of course, got traded right before the trade deadline. So Roger came into the Y, and he said, Scotty, I'm not going to the game. Do you want these tickets? And that's how I'm going to the game. So he's going to uh, hopefully check out Rochester when they're in town. But for now, I have tickets to Friday's game, so looking forward to that. In the West, the Edmonton Rush, we spoke about them. They are in the lead. They jump past Calgary with their win on Sunday. Calgary sits a half game back, as does Washington. Minnesota's three games back. And the Colorado Mammoth, they are three and a half games back. Moving over to the Canadian Lacrosse League. They're a week behind, so they're in week 11. And I love this league. I talk about this league all the time. I really hype it up. Great two-way lacrosse players. You don't see the offense-defense as much as you do in the National Lacrosse League or the Major Series Lacrosse. These guys, most of them play both ends of the floor, which makes for fast, fast lacrosse. If you can get down to a game, the tickets are very reasonable. There's a good game coming up this Sunday. It's in Barrie. It's a little bit of a drive from Peterborough, but if you're anywhere else in Ontario, make sure you get over. There's playing, uh, they're playing tonight, actually, in a battle for first place in Niagara. So if you're a little further away from Peterborough, a little further down south in Ontario, the Toronto Shooting Stars will take on the Niagara Lock Monsters in a battle for first place at 8.05. So you really got to hustle to get down there, but it should be a battle. Niagara, top team in the league. Toronto is trying to catch them with a win tonight. Saturday, the Toronto Shooting Stars played the Iroquois Ironmen at 1 p.m., and they beat them 11-9. Aaron Grayson, good old Peterborough boy, he always seems to lead the charge. He's missed a few games due to work commitments, or else his points would be through the roof. But he got three goals, two assists in that game. Joel Wasson McQuig, he had two goals, one assist. His older brother, Josh, he's the captain of the Shooting Stars. He chipped in with one goal, while Mac O'Brien had two assists. Craig Robertson, he had 40 saves and four assists. Brian Croswell normally plays on that team. Uh, he was out of the lineup, 
couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, I guess now, there's a little bit of a brawl between them and the Brampton Inferno. Crosby was in the penalty box, and uh, this is how the story goes. I wasn't there, but apparently Ryan Campbell, he plays for the Brampton Inferno. I guess one of his friends uh, was in the crowd. He had a bit too many soda pops, and he came down and was banging on the glass, uh, the penalty box right behind Crosby, and he tried to reach around at Crosby, and Crosby decked him right in the nose from what I've heard. Uh, kind of like that Ty Domi, that whole thing where he sprayed the Philly fan with water, except there's no water involved, just a fist involved. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see when Crosby comes back into the lineup. On the other side, the Iroquois Ironmen, they have no Peterborough Lakers, but their top scorer was Jerome Thompson with two goals, two assists. Later on Saturday, 2 o'clock matinee, the Oshwikin Demons, they lost a close one to the Durham Turf Dogs, 7-6. to six. I had that call live on the Lacrosse Radio Network, as I do with all the Durham Turf Dog games. And this was the best Canadian Lacrosse League game I've seen all year. Back and forth action. And we mentioned uh, Brian Croswell. Well, Kevin Croswell, he was a goalie for the Philadelphia Wings in the National Lacrosse League. Up until a week ago, just before the uh, just before the trade deadline, they released him. We knew that was coming. Philly wasn't too happy with him for some reason. He's a great goalie. I don't know why they never gave him a chance. I think because he's Canadian and they're trying to build an all-American squad down there. I'm not really sure the logistics behind that. But Kevin Croswell, he took warm-up with the Durham Turf Dogs. We were all surprised, shaking our heads, uh, jaws dropping kind of thing, going, is this really happening? Kevin Croswell with the Durham Turf Dogs? Sure enough, he got the start in net. He had 46 saves in that victory. Their high score was John St. John. Of course, his father runs the league, Paul St. John. He's a great man. I got to meet him a couple weeks ago, and he's a beauty. One of the friendliest guys I've ever met. His son, two goals, one assist. He always lights it up for the Durham Turf Dogs. And Shane Scott, their second leading scorer, he had two goals, one assist. We'll move into Sunday, the last game of uh, Week 11 in the Sealax. It was the Brampton Inferno defeating the Barry Blizzard 13-9. There's a lot of Peterborough guys for Brampton as well. Peterborough, uh, Mark Farthing, he had two goals, three assists in that game. He's a beauty to watch. Dustin Caravello, he plays for the James Gang Champs, or Norwood James Gang. They switched their name now. The Champs is still their main sponsor, but they are just going to be called the Norwood James Gang from here on in. Caravello had one goal, two assists. Their leading scorer, though, was Kyle Andrews. He had three goals, two assists. And Rick McCullough, he had 32 saves in the victory. On the other side, Barry, as always, was led by Caleb Wiles. Five goals and one assist for Wiles. Mike Teeter, he had four assists and read the beast board. We're trying to get that nickname going. If you followed us on Twitter, uh, follow myself at ScottArnold12, or you can follow the Barry Blizzard. We were trying to get that trending last week. Read the beast board. We talked to him. He likes the nickname, so we're going to roll with it. Scotty Comer, he had 39 saves in the loss, played a stellar game. And he's a good friend of ours uh, in lacrosse. We trust, writes a blog uh, sometimes. He's a great goalie, and uh, we wish him all the best in the future. Unfortunately, he gets peppered with a lot of shots, and Barry's had a tough season. But they're one of my favorite teams to watch, and I hope they get that final playoff spot. 
We'll run down the standings for Sealax. Niagara, they're in first with 18 points. Toronto is right behind them with 16. But as I mentioned, they will be playing in St. Catharines. 8.05 start time. So if Toronto can win this game, they will be tied for first place. The Brampton Inferno and Oshwiken Demons, they both have 14 points. Durham Turf Dogs have 12. Iroquois and Barry are down in the basement with four points each. The bottom team will not make the playoffs, so Barry and Iroquois, one of them has to break away here. We'll see who gets that final playoff spot. And again, we apologize. Uh, we couldn't get the Kevin Croswell interview for you. His first ever Sealax game starting. He's probably going to get the start in Barry. We asked him about that. He kind of danced around saying he's going to have to wait for the coach, but after a game like that, how can he not be starting in net? And that's going to do it for another episode of Over and Back. I want to thank my guest again, Lewis Radcliffe, for joining me tonight. And I want to remind you that because of Easter Monday, there will be no Over and Back next week. But I will return on April 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern right here on the Lacrosse Radio Network. I'm Scott Arnold, and thanks for listening to Over and Back. Hey, this is Scotty Comer from the Barry Blizzard, and you're listening to Over and Back on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to NCAA, CLAX, NALL, and MILA game broadcast at the Lacrosse Radio Network, the home of Lacrosse Audio. Panic in transition, shoots and scores! The only place where you can follow NCAA Division Three, the Canadian Lacrosse League, North American Lacrosse, Quebec Senior Lacrosse League, and Midwest Lacrosse Association. Shot score, Mendez! A side-angle shot, and Tony Mendez breaks the ice! Also, the home to unique lacrosse programming that you just can't get anywhere else. Listen every day at inlaxwetrust.com or blogtalkradio.com slash lacrosse radio or blogtalkradio.com slash laxradio. Block on the way in. Goalie out. Score! Another goal for the Mustang. The Lacrosse Radio Network. This is Kyle Sonson, a Washington Scout, and you're listening to the Cross Radio Network. The Wilmot Wild Junior C Ontario Lacrosse Association Western Conference finalists in 2011 are now on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to the Wild four times this season through June and July for the best Junior C lacrosse action you just can't find anywhere else. Listen at inlaxwetrust.com or blogtalkradio.com slash lacrosse radio or blogtalkradio.com slash lax radio. The Wilmot Wild on the Lacrosse Radio Network. To the best radio, not on radio. Radioexiles.com. Radio gone underground from parts unknown. I'm not receiving a detectable frequency. Radio Exiles. The best collection of professional podcasters. 100% FCC free. Radioexiles.com. Listen to Boxla Beat Tuesday nights. It's the place to follow the world of box lacrosse. Jim Antoine, the head coach of the Oswegian Demons. Something similar to hockey, right? Obviously because of the front door and uh, 
backdoor uh, type style of play. Stephen Stamp of IL Indoor goes one-on-one with three boxful players every week. We're joined by a young goaltender who's been making waves in the National Lacrosse League. Evan Kirk, thanks for calling in to Boxville Deep. I think I'd rather play with a team that has, you know, that drive in them rather than just to, to be there with a, a, a lot of big names. CLAC, NLL, NALL, MSL, and WLA. Boxville Deep, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. on the Lacrosse Radio Network. The Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to NCAA, CLAX, NALL, and MILA game broadcast at the Lacrosse Radio Network, the home of Lacrosse Audio. Panic in transition, shoots and scores! The only place where you can follow NCAA Division Three, the Canadian Lacrosse League, North American Lacrosse, Quebec Senior Lacrosse League, and Midwest Lacrosse Association. Shot score, Mendez! A side angle shot, and Tony Mendez breaks the ice. Also, the home to unique lacrosse programming that you just can't get anywhere else. Listen every day at inlaxwetrust.com or blogtalkradio.com slash lacrosse radio or blogtalkradio.com slash laxradio. Block on the way in, goalie out, score! Another goal for the Mustang. The Lacrosse Radio Network. This is Patrick Crosby, goaltender for the Kentucky Stick Horses. You're listening to the Cross Radio Network. The best radio, not on radio. RadioExiles.com. Radio gone underground from parts unknown. I'm not receiving a detectable frequency. Radio Exiles. The best collection of professional podcasters, 100% FCC free. RadioExiles.com. You think you've seen pro lacrosse coverage? Then you haven't seen Inlax We Trust, the home of lacrosse on the web. Comprehensive coverage of the NLL, MLL, NCAA, NALL, CLAX, MILA, and more on the SB Nation Network. Fifteen seconds to go, driving down the right wing, draws his own team, over his head, basket on the open, he scores! Salisbury takes an 11-10 lead with 11.7 seconds to go. Check out InlaxWeTrust.com. This is Nick Rose of the Toronto Rock, and you're listening to the Lacrosse Radio Network. Lacrosse and pro wrestling? They come together every Thursday at noon with Strong Island Lax Chat with Taz. Many sports fans look at the announcers as a prop or a talking head. Taz, the former pro wrestler, takes time every week to talk about the game from a fan's perspective with a Long Island spin. You know, most announcers I know in my business of pro wrestling or buddies of mine that have, that have worked for ESPN that are commentators and whatnot are highly competitive type A personalities. Every Thursday at noon on the Lacrosse Radio Network. 